0: now from the sunbury motor studio here's steve jones and today's show brought to you by purdy insurance market street in sunbury go to purdyinsurance.com. auto home Light, business boat motorcycle whatever it may be they will do everything they can to make sure you're completely insured and have the best possible price the pros pros and in insurance that is Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors Studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play by play call of the day. Next. No chance. Two men tangled up. No flag. Brisker was defending Hudson. Next pressure. Launches over the middle. It is incomplete. And Penn State holds on. Chris Fowler with the call on ABC. Uh, actually, the, that play in the corner of the end zone, uh, Brian Tripps, our field reporter, he said Hudson grabbed actually Brisker and pulled him down. Uh, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, because obviously that's on the far side from where we could see it. I just called it, bodies went down, it was incomplete. Uh, Bucknell football, Dave Cicchini, always a pleasure to talk with him. Coach, welcome back, great to have you with us.
1: Thanks, Steve, great to be here.
0: Okay, you scored first in the game on Saturday. Just the feeling of getting out, getting out front, what did it do for your sideline and so forth?
1: Well, I think it was huge. You know, it was our home opener. We had an unbelievable crowd, great game day atmosphere. I think our players fed off of that atmosphere. And, um, you know, to have the drive that we had, you know, it was a – uh, 15 play drive I believe 83 yards took almost 8 minutes off the clock it was methodical uh, but our players made plays it was it really uh, you know, it was something that we had been missing in the first two weeks and, and to take the lead uh, was outstanding so it was a great start
0: Alright you were able to run the ball in the game so what has been what is starting to come together in the sink between line and running backs?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's an interesting point. We've been talking about that as a staff because we've had so many changes, um, both in terms of we've had three players. Uh, be injured on the offensive line and, and we've talked about before it's, you know, it's about getting five guys that are out there gelling together it's not like playing receiver or other position but when you rely on the guy that's next to you one foot away from you each direction it really helps when you have the same five guys that are out there even though they might not be your five best uh, if they gel together, you know, as as a group, though, the, they're greater than the sum uh, of their parts. So, uh, and then on top of that, we've had you know a different tailback at uh, at the uh, uh, start of each of our first three games, and this was Danny Muser. It was really his first collegiate start. Uh, he deserves a lot of the credit. You know, as the game went on. Uh, He broke a lot of tackles. Uh, You know, he had had a couple of carries in the first couple of games and and played a little bit as a freshman uh, back when we had our spring season. Uh, But he really showed another gear. He showed a great level of toughness. And and as the game wore on, and, and, uh, you know, uh, we were really not. Uh, playing as consistently as we could have been on you know and really in any of the three phases of the game uh, Danny Muser was that one consistent part you know he had a lot of plays that you know he got a third down or a fourth down conversion just on effort alone breaking tackles keeping his legs churning and, and falling forward
0: you always wanted uh, as a coach and this goes to, the, to a confidence part of it you prefer to play somebody a game too late than a game too early is that with Danny? Do you feel like you've now picked the right spot to get him in where it's allowed him to not only play but be effective as he does it?
1: Yeah, I, I think definitely. You know, we, we went into the season knowing that running back was – our deepest position in terms of uh, talent and and Danny was one of those guys and and he was uh, banged up a little early on with an ankle in his freshman uh, season and that kind of limited his development but he had just done such a great job of pushing, um, you know, persevering through that, and then came into to camp here in August in great shape, and and we were excited about it. We, it wasn't like we were surprised. There's nobody on our football team that was surprised that he was doing what he did on Saturday. Uh, it would just was his chance, his opportunity to shine. And it's a great example of just, hey, it's the next man up. You know, college football injuries are part of the game, mm-hmm. and uh, and he prepared himself. You know, even when he wasn't the starter, he prepared himself as if he was the starter, and it was opportunity and he came, he took full advantage of it.
0: And injuries have played a role, obviously, in your passing game. But you're obviously going to need going forward to have some semblance of balance. How do you want to approach that right now, Dave?
1: Yeah, well, we got to settle on a quarterback. Uh, and we're keeping an open mind. Tyler Beverett, Nick Septonfelter were pretty much 50-50 down the middle in terms of the, the amount of reps that they've had. You know, both young players – uh, both with slightly different skill sets. So, um, you know, we are able to approach the game a little bit differently when each of them are in there. Uh, it's not by design. We're not trying to develop a game plan to, to play both of them, but we just want to put them both in uh, the position to have the most success uh, while they're out on the field, and eventually one of them is going to show that they deserve to be that full-time starter, and and uh, uh, they both had some great moments on Saturday. Tyler Beverett uh, was behind uh, that that long drive that I talked about earlier on in the game. Nick Septon felt to turn around. He had a 60-yard drive when he came into the game. Unfortunately, that ended in a, in a missed field goal, uh, but both guys are showing flashes of uh, being a successful quarterback at the fcs level they're just not uh, neither of them right now are consistent enough uh, to show that they deserve to be that full-time starter so we're going to continue to evaluate the film and and uh, we've got uh, a week off here a bye week and then we're, we've got one more non-conference game before uh, we start to uh, patriot league play uh, down at lafayette and hopefully by that time uh, we'll see if one of these two guys really uh, shines and, and shows they deserve to be a full-time starter. All
0: right. So let me ask about the scheduling part of it. Obviously, you're trying to prepare yourself so you can get a Patriot League play. You want to be a force in FCS as well. But Villanova, Penn, you got Cornell coming up. Uh Have you thought at all about at this stage of the program where you need your non-conference schedule to be? Because obviously you've scheduled some, you've got some terrific teams on the schedule, but do you need to rethink that?
1: Yeah, it's it is always something that you think about. Um, It is a challenge in the Patriot League right now. A crazy statistic that I saw um, on Sunday: we've got seven teams in the Patriot League right now. All we have done, all the Patriot League has done is play non-conference opponents. Uh, and right now, we have five of the seven Patriot League teams that are sitting at 0-3. Right, uh, That's bad for the league in general, but it's yeah. also something that uh, I think people can look at and, and you're saying about well, you know you don't want to go down, you don't want to schedule Division two, you don't want to schedule Division three teams. And you know you talk to your players, they're competitors, they want to go out there. I mean, should they play Penn State if, if, if they could? you know they want to go out there and right. play up and, and, and they don't mind that challenge. What you mind as a coach is you don't want it damaging the psyche of your team. You want to stay healthy. Uh, and you want them developing some sense of confidence. And unfortunately, not just here at Bucknell, but within the Patriot League. I mean, our record right now against any non-conference opponent uh, as a league, we're currently, I believe, it's three wins and 18 losses. So so this is something that the league in general really has to take a look at itself and, and see, you know, because we are a little bit, you know, us and the Ivy League, we approach things just slightly different than the rest of the conferences at the FCS level, whether it's scholarships or red-shirting or, you know, just uh, a bunch of different reasons. Like I said, we're, we're certainly not, um, you know, we're a little bit different than the Ivy League, but definitely our two conferences have a different uh, view of how to approach, uh, you know, uh, college football. And and uh, right now the Ivy League's just flat out having more success with their approach uh, currently than the, the Patriot League is with our approach.
0: Dave, good luck with Cornell coming up. Appreciate your time very much today.
1: Uh, No problem, Steve. Great talking to you.
0: Dave Cicchini, a football coach at Bucknell. We will come back. Yes, we'll talk about the down story in a moment. Um, Like I said, I wasn't even going to bring it up today. Maybe it's no need to bring it up. Because my biggest beef with officiating period over the weekend is the same one I've been having the entire time, and that is about the targeting calls. I've now done three games this season. In all three games, somebody's been thrown out for targeting. Ellis Brooks, Tyler Rudolph, and then this time, Zachary McLean from Auburn. I watched a game with Indiana and Cincinnati turn on a targeting call. Micah McFadden is not just a good linebacker. He's an exceptional college linebacker. And Indiana is having its way with Cincinnati in the first half. I mean, they're really, they've set the tone, they're dominating the the tone, tenor, pace of the game, everything along the way. And then McFadden goes in, he jumps in the air, and then somebody said well, he was pushed, he wasn't pushed. He jumped in the air because Ridger's trying to throw the ball. So he goes up, so it looks like he's launching himself. And he hits... Um, Ritter right in the face mask. So I'm watching the replay, and I said, you know, based on what we know about the rule, he's done. And it changed the entire game. Tom Allen had to put his son Thomas in, and and Thomas Allen's a good linebacker, but Micah McFadden is an exceptional college linebacker. So there's going to be a drop-off. And it changed the tone of the game in many ways. McLean on Saturday night, okay, as soon as we saw... The replay, Jack and I both agreed on, based on how everything is called today, McLean was going to be thrown out of the game. Uh, I also think that the targeting play where he hit the helmet of Parker Washington probably actually kept Washington from scoring. Now Penn State eventually scored in the Noah Kane run, where Mike really crossed them up on that play. But McLean gets tossed out of the game really good player. No getting around it. I know that every couple of years they look at rules. That's why I remember a couple of years ago, remember we had Ted Boyle on the show talking about basketball rules. And next year is the rules year where the new rules are put in place. I really hope somebody brings to the table and they seriously talk about not throwing players out of the game. You want to penalize them 15 yards for personal foul, do it. If you think it is egregious and they've crossed the line as to how they did something, then do it, okay? Uh, but on a play like Ellis Brooks, on a player like Tyler Rudolph, on a play like Micah McFadden, on a play like Zachary McLean, come on, you're throwing guys out of games? I mean, my goodness! I mean, it's gotten to the point now in basketball. I don't—I'm not really crazy about five fouls getting somebody out of the game. I mean, fans showed up to watch players play. They didn't show up to watch guys officiate the doggone thing. I mean, I, I'm all—I mean, I've talked before about amending rules where you get your fifth foul, it's three free throws. If you get to your eighth foul, it's four free throws. No, it's really penalized for keeping the person in the game by awarding the possibility of additional points. Uh, I'd rather see that and allow the player to stay in the game. That's what people came to see was the player in the game, and college football is doing the same thing. You know, they're aiming for a target area, and sometimes the runner, look, you're, you're trying to, you're gonna, you're accepting contact here. So it's natural for the runner to take and protect and go down around it almost into the fetal position as they're about to absorb contact and they're ducking down sometimes into contact. Now Parker wasn't. Parker Washington was already tripped up, had put his right hand on the ground and was parallel to the ground and actually using that hand to launch himself forward toward the goal line at that point. So he was he didn't duck down into the into the hit. He was already down there to begin with, and then McLean hit him, and he, went, he ended up going helmet to helmet. But he's not headhunting him. He shouldn't be thrown out. I just I, I just don't like the part where they're throwing guys out of games now. It's like, what are you doing? That part needs to be amended. If it's egregious, throw them out. If not, come on, take the fifteen-yard penalty and just and a first down and move on. I The targeting one is one that, I mean, every time Jack and I make an assessment on the targeting call, every time, we're looking at each other like, okay, I guess we have to base this on what we've seen so far this year, not whether we think it's targeting or not. So that's why when we make our assessments, it's based on what we've seen so far this year. So we're basing it on that assessment. That's sad. It really is. But you know that's—I I, mean—I understand it's a safety issue. I've got that. I understand that. But you notice know, all the players that in the games I've done that have been targeted—Graham Mertz, the player for Ball State, can't remember who it was, and Parker Washington. Guess what they all did? They all played the next play. They weren't knocked out. Now, if you want to remove a guy for a play, or for the rest of the series, okay, maybe the rest of the series or the next play, but not the rest of the game, not the first half of the next game. McLean can't play the first half of his next game. Now McFadden can, because his was in the first half. i like, uh, I realize there's safety, but let's not, let's not. Overreact, and I feel like the targeting call is an overreaction. And this has nothing—I mean, it's, again, it has nothing to do with Penn State. One of them occurred in the Penn State game. It was an Auburn player that I'm talking about. So, all right. Yes, the story on the three downs in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Mm-hmm.
2: The weather is getting cooler and the leaves are changing in Central PA. Hi, this is Season from Purdy Insurance. If your current agent is falling short, it's time to give Purdy Insurance a call. We're a local, family-owned, independent agency ready to find the right insurance to fit your needs. You can call us at 570-286-5855, stop in our office on Market Street in Sunbury, or head to our website at purdyinsurance.com to find out what we can do for you.
0: All right, L.C., here we go. (laughs) Penn State is... Penn State, there's nothing better than a Penn State whiteout. Over 100,000 people in Beaver Stadium, all dressed in white. But Auburn is from the big, bad SEC. Yeah, listen to this. Penn State has lost five straight to the SEC. Mm -hmm. And listen to this. Yeah. The last time Penn State beat the SEC team 14 years ago! They haven't beat them. Hey, Uh, Kurt, you know what that means, don't you, sweetheart?
1: You got to pick Auburn, I think.
0: Yeah. I'd be crazy not to pick Penn State, the (laughs) (laughs) White Oh, you're
2: (laughs) (laughs) dressed. Has he got a mascot
0: here? Yeah, there there it is. is. (laughs) (laughs) I think they forgot about the fact that Penn State beat LSU. (laughs) They're referencing the Tennessee game and the bowl game. I think they forgot about the LSU win. That was Joe's last bowl win, his 24th and final bowl win, and that was not 14 years ago. (laughs) But that's okay. That's okay. That's why I'm here. All right. Um, I probably don't have time here in this segment to tell the three down story. So I'll start the next segment with the three down story uh, because I was asked about it on Sirius XM this morning <laughs> And so you can be you can be fun and be funny about the story when you uh, especially after the team wins because it, and in the end, it didn't cost them anything. But in the moment, you're looking around like, what's going on here? (laughs) And I can tell you in the Penn State football broadcast booth, we were not even remotely confused about what down it was. Not even remotely. And (laughs) we're sitting there like, so I'll tell the whole story as to how it played out. Um... (laughs) <laughs> because uh, I was asked earlier today, have you ever done a game with that? Nope <laughs> Nope, not my lifetime. Nope. Uh, hey, Severino got activated for the Yankees first time in two years. How about that? On the deck, call the janitor. Hey, and guess which Steeler ended up with a with a groin pull? The one that didn't have training camp. That's terrific. Yeah, like like nobody knew that was a possibility. It's, that stuff happens all the time. That's why I, that's why I've really been downplaying how well I thought he'd play early, because I just think all this stuff is a possibility across the board. They say he could play on Sunday against the Bengals, but I'm telling you right now, it, right now for TJ Watt, the only thing that is really working properly is direct deposit
2: exactly (laughs) it was a bad day for the NFL to to be honest with yesterday for the 17th game
0: yeah I know the Eagles had to play one fortunately it's against the Jets and Zach Wilson now I think they're at least 20 point favorites Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Ford linking, I mean, um, auto home life business, boat, motorcycle. They'll do everything they can to find you exactly the right insurance. And they'll do everything they can to make sure you get the best price. What they do. I mean, customer service means everything to Purdy Insurance. That's why you need to go to the experts. Purdy Insurance, Market Street and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Sunbury Motors Studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Roots 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf. Ford, Kia, Hyundai. Great pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street and Sunbury, Summary Motors, Key Roots 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. Nothing but rave reviews for the Tom McGrath tailgate, Gary Goloshevsky, curator. Amy Goloshevsky, brilliant, as always, perfect hostess along the way, the job she does. Gary got a little surly near the end, but that's okay. I was only there at the end, maybe it was me. It could have been my mere presence, made him surly, possible. Brandon Brooks, Peck Strain, IR coming up, not season ending but he's going to be out weeks. Brandon Graham out for the year. And Zach Ertz is on the COVID-19 reserve list. That's the Eagles for this week. And uh, let's give the veteran coach, Kyle Shanahan, a lot of credit. They played Detroit at Detroit. And instead of going back to San Francisco, they did what they did a couple years ago. Uh, A couple years ago, they went to Youngstown and practiced at Youngstown State uh, during uh, their time when they had to play back-to-back East Coast games. This time they went to the Greenbrier and practiced. It was just smart. Instead of just traveling back and forth, they just practiced at the Greenbrier. And they beat the Eagles yesterday 17-11. to All right, now the story about the down. So I was asked about this on Sirius XM this morning. I said, okay. I started laughing. I said, well, let me take you through it. There's a certain basic that's a fundamental in doing play-by-play for football, and that is you do try a, before every down, you try to stay down and distance, and when the play is over, you then reestablish the new down and distance. Okay. So Sean goes back to pass Clifford. And he's got great protection. I mean, that's why we found the call be, to be a bit baffling. And he throws the ball deep down the field. And as he's throwing it, I can see what the two receivers did. And that's why Jack and I explain one of them was supposed to, fl- to to run a takeoff. One of them. And the other one's just supposed to clear. Well, it turned out they went down and Parker Washington went inside and Jahan went outside. Well, there was nobody to throw to. And like Sean's looking around like, okay, where'd everybody go? <laughs> and then he threw the flag on him. You're know, like, you got to be kidding me. You never get thrown for a flag on that one. Anybody with common sense knows that you know, it was somebody misread it. It wasn't because he wasn't even in duress. He wasn't trying to get rid of the ball. Oh, I better get rid of it. I'm not going to get hit. <laughs> He's not getting hit. He's standing back there and just throw it. Regardless They they throw the flag They put it down six yards behind the line of scrimmage So you know that's You know when they place the flag That's where they're going to place the ball and to loss of down So I start out the next play and say it's second and 16 At what I think was the 35 yard line Something like that And He then throws an out To Jahan Dotson Dotson makes the catch. It's a four-yard gain. You know, five-yard. I think it was a five-yard gain. Five-yard gain uh, out to, what, the 41. So I guess they were on, what, the 36. So it's out the 41-yard line. And I said, that will bring up a third and 11. And then Jack explains. As soon as I said it was third and 11, Jack explains, okay, Dotson did this. It was short, whatever, good coverage by Auburn, what they did. Now, let's see what, you know, Jack's talking about what they need to do here and what the possible options are going through. Now, as he's doing this, I'm looking at personnel like I usually do, listening to what Jack has to say about uh, where, you you know, what are the possibilities coming up. And I'm looking to see, and there's all this confusion over by the Penn State sideline, and there's no changes in personnel. There's no personnel. And so I take a quick glance. I want to look at the play clock. I want to see what the play clock is. To see if they still have time to do whatever they want to do, or are they going to have to use the timeout? And after whatever's going on down there, you see the punt team starting to form. And I said, it's third down. I said, it's third and eleven. And then the public address announcer then chimes in and goes, and fourth down. And Jack and I, look at him, what's he talking about? Fourth down. What <laughs> what he say that for. It's not fourth down. Right? And then finally, after he says that, right, about 10, 15 seconds later, boom, the punt team runs out. And I said, Penn State's punting on third down. <laughs> and they punt the ball away. And they went to a commercial break, so Jack had went outside to get water for each of us. So I'm in there and I have an iPad, and my iPad's on something called Stat Broadcast. I thought, Am I losing this here? What's going on here? Why am I the only person? What, why are Jack and I the only people who think it's third down? Well, the PA announcer thinks it's fourth down. The officials think it's fourth down. So I, so I went to and I can click it onto something called Play by Play. It's a typed out. Play by play of what's going on. Okay, Noah Kane run, first down, Penn State. Sean Clifford, intentional grounding, loss of down, second and 16. Pass to Jahan Dotson, complete, five yard pickup, third and 11. Third and 11, Jordan Stout punts. I'm okay. <laughs> it's just...
2: See, that's pretty sad when the play by play has that and <laughs> the refs don't.
0: I mean, but, but Jack and I knew the entire time it was third down. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, the whole time we knew it was third down. And he comes back in, and we're about to start up again. And I told him, I said, this is exactly what you and I thought. It was, th- it was third down. I, I said, I, I said, I felt like an idiot looking it up. I said, but I just had to make sure. I, said, I thought we were starting to lose it here. I said, Jack, I feel like we're in, we're in a Seinfeld episode, the one in Bizarro World. <laughs> I said the bizarro world <laughs> episode. Right. And he starts laughing. He goes, he goes, Oh my God. He says, Yeah. He said, This is bizarro world. Right? And that's where I came. When we came back. I said, You got one job. You couldn't get to four. <laughs> I mean, come on. There are certain fundamentals in the job, isn't that one of them? <laughs> but we knew the entire time it was third down and kept saying on the broadcast, it's third down. It's third down. Fourth down. It's third down. I even said, it's third down. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I got to correct them again? Right. Uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, it got to the point in the game where a couple of other things happened, and I, all I stopped and I just said, uh, I have no words. <laughs> I said, I'm out of words. <laughs> we knew the entire time it was third down. We got like, first, you know. It's like okay, Noah can't get the run. They got a first down out to the thirty-six. Okay, great, first and ten. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever it was Noah got out to how far? He got out, whatever. Maybe got to the forty, whatever it was. Okay. And then Sean threw the ball down the middle, and we weren't enamored with the, hey, come on, common sense. He's not grounding the ball. He's not trying to avoid a sack. There's nobody within five feet of him in the pocket. I mean, Sean wasn't even touched on the play when he threw it. But they threw the flag anyway. And you're like, okay, well, now you've got to come up with a second and 16 play. So, I mean, we knew what the situation was. And then he threw it to Jahan, and Jahan caught the ball, and now it's going to be third and 11. <laughs> and they're looking around like, here, start, I'm looking at the scoreboard. I'm looking at the down marker. You know, of course, they hear him in the background, fourth down. I'm like going, fourth down? <laughs> fourth down. <laughs> Which I guess, from what we understand, played a little bit of a role in what they decided. And, like, you got to be kidding me, really? And they punted. I even said right before, Penn State is punting on third down. So we weren't even okay. I may have been. We may have been confused about what the heck's going on, but we were not confused on the fact that it was third down. Remotely. I just. It's just so we're talking today, and he heard this morning. He said, "When he said he said when you reminded me of the bizarre wall comment, Joanne," and I couldn't stop laughing. I said, "I know." Because you have to, at this point you have to make fun of it. I, mean, I wasn't even going to bring it up today, to be honest with you. I wasn't even going to bring it up. I didn't think there was any need to. They won the game. It didn't matter. It, whatever. But it, you know. But it ended up being a f- funny story. So last night I had to go to um, Lewistown. Fran Fisher was put into the Mifflin County Hall of Fame. It's the first ever Mifflin County Hall of Fame class. So Ralph Baker, who was on the Jets' Super Bowl winning team, was put in. Tim Thompson, who played for the Dodgers and the Tigers in a long Major League career, was put in. Uh, uh, Let's see. uh, Dave Bradley, who played for Penn State, who was one of Jack's teammates, played with the Green Bay Packers for four years, played in the World Football League for a year, he was put in. A uh, woman that it was just a fabulous world-caliber national champion racquetball player was put in. Uh, the Lewistown girls' basketball team went back-to-back titles. They were put in. I mean, it was, so I was there to, to speak last night as the keynote speaker. And, of course, I talked. Let's say half the speech was about Fran. Well, I opened up the speech by saying, okay. I said, let's just do a quick survey. I said, I said, I just want to see a show of hands here. I said, How many of you in the room are capable of counting to four? I said, just a show of hands. <laughs> yes. Right? And so everybody put their hands up. And there was some other, some odd piece of paper sitting up in the podium. I think it was the notes of the MC. And I held them up. I said, I said, perfect. I said, this is an SEC officiating application. I said, I think that <laughs> I said Anybody wants to fill one out? I said I think there are openings. <laughs> Fantastic. So, so I mean, you have to have, at least make a joke out of it at some point. So I was just making a joke out of it, and that's uh, you know, <laughs> it was bizarre. That's why they I I said, and then we got to halftime, and they said, did you keep talking about it? I said no. Nah. I said well, I said a couple points. I I said I made light of it. I said, he got the halftime, and I said, you know, Penn State's up 14-10, to 10. Penn State X, X amount of yards, Auburn has X amount of yards, rushing, passing, whole thing. I said, Auburn's run 33 plays. I said, so far, Penn State's run 29, should be 30. <laughs> you know. Oh.
2: I do have a question out of this. Now this, I guess, any officiating crew is capable of making that egregious mistake, but nonetheless... Why wasn't an SEC crew last night and not a Big it's Ten the, crew?
0: It's in the contract. So when Penn State goes down to Auburn next year, it's a Big Ten crew. So it's in the contract. But so when they when make these al-
2: contracts, why do they decide that? Shouldn't the home team have the home conference? Should shouldn't it be that conference? It's, it's, it's mutually
0: agreed upon. It's okay. no big deal. When, Penn, when Alabama came here, when, al- when Penn State went to Alabama in 2010, it was Big Ten officials in Tuscaloosa. When Nick Saban brought Alabama up here in '11, it was SEC officials. That's that's really a common way of doing it. That's not a. Like for example, when 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 a Big Ten school plays a MAC school, it's never an issue, because Bill Corello was in charge of both the Big Ten and the MAC, so there's crossover to begin with, All right? So that's never an issue. Uh, Penn State will play Villanova this week. It'll be Big Ten officials. Okay, it's just it's just logistically easier and you do that. When you get into an interconference, an intersectional game like this, a lot of times that's the way it's done. You know, you come in here, it's your conference's officials the whole thing. So when Penn State goes down the next year it'll be Big Ten officials. It's just in the contract. Hmm. And it's standard and it's standard language in the contract. It's not out of the ordinary. It's you know, when you do bowl games, it's neutral. I mean, a lot of times, Penn State will end up in its bowl game with a Big 12 officiating crew. Um, maybe if it's an SEC game, it's an ACC crew. Right, so, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, so those are always neutral. But in these intersectional games, it's uh, n- not always, but a lot of times. Uh, you go on the road, and it's your officiating. Your conference's officiating crew. Hmm. Uh, it's. Uh, I mean, that's that's another thing you get. Basketball's independent contracts, but you're hired by the conference as an independent contract. So, for example, you don't see. Let's take one. Teddy Valentine. Teddy Valentine. Ta- Teddy Valentine for years worked Big Ten games. Now Teddy's contract is with. The SEC and the ACC. So you end up working just those conference games. Now, there's non-conference games you'll work, but it usually involves the conference you're normally working at or working with. Um, A lot of times you'll see in the Big Ten, some guys in the Big Ten work, for example, the Big East and the Big Ten, or they work the Big Ten and the Big 12. But they're independent contracts. Football is different. Football, when you sign a contract to officiate for a conference, that's your conference because basketball has, you can referee as many as four or five games during the course of a week as a basketball referee. Football, you have one. So you're you're locked into a conference. Which then brings up the possibility, do you start now nationalizing officiating and have a central location to make assignments, I mean, do you do that? Do you continue with the with the conference look? I don't know. It's something at least to think about. Doesn't mean the officiating gets better or worse. Look, officiating's hard. I I, I could never officiate. I could never officiate. Just like they could not announce, I couldn't officiate. The game's fast. You've got to be precise. Most of the time, they're right. I mean, I'll give you one. Uh, Remember the Joey Porter play where he brings it back for a touchdown? Yeah. Yeah. So they call it a fumble. He picks it up. He runs it back. Now, Jack and I both know that's going to be replayed. But the SEC officials did that one exactly right. Now, the the grounding by Bo Nix, he grounded it, okay? And that was actually a really easy call. Because the ball was snapped about two feet to the right of the hash mark. You've already got the hash mark. There's your guide. And he threw it from the hash mark. He obviously didn't leave the didn't leave the box. Yes, yeah, so that was and, one and of it,
2: many missed, yeah.
0: And, and he did not say there was a receiver in the area. No, he said he didn't leave the tackle box. And you're looking around going, he snapped it right around the hash mark. He threw it from the hash mark. Is it, isn't that the definition of going straight back? <laughs> And you're standing there, but that's a different deal. On the Joey Porter play, they did it exactly right. They let the play go all the way through instead of blowing the whistle. Okay, and then they wanted replay to settle whether he was down or not. The only question I had on him was uh, Jack and I both thought he was down. My only question was I said I said now I said the question is, based on the angles we have, can the officials in the booth see the ball? Because all the first couple of angles, you couldn't see the ball. You can see him going down, but was he bobbling the ball? Was the ball already loose? You couldn't see it. They finally got an angle where you look down and go, no, no, he's down. It was just a question because they call, you know, so if, if you can't see it, then it has to be stands as called. But as soon as we saw the finally, it took them a while. They finally got the angle we needed. And as soon as we saw that, no, he, it's not a fumble. Now, that was actually perfectly officiated. Perfect. They let it play all the way through and they let replay decide it. That was good. All right. didn't even said it's the right call. Look was the right call. We'll tell you every time it's the right call. Punting on third down? And telling everybody it was fourth down? No. There are a lot of foul balls on that one. There were a lot of foul balls <laughs> on that one. Replay booth, field, and of course the other issue I mentioned. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay. All right, fun today. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Matt Leon in the show, Neil Kulong of the show. Eleven points, kind of a low number, or anything? A little bit, well, especially right. when it, it should have yeah. been more. I think the Indians scored eleven too, didn't they?
2: All right. <laughs> see see now, now, now you're now you're not nice. <laughs>
0: I mean, you actually thought you had a chance yesterday. I did.
2: I like. I, I still picked the Niners, but yeah, I still thought I had a chance.